0: From B Media Production, this is Business Essentials, practical advice and ideas to grow your business.
1: When the leader of a business sets the tone and steps up to the plate, does what's needed, it builds respect, it builds trust. The difference between permanent part-time
0: and casual is that permanent part-time employees are given a commitment of regular days and hours per week that they actually work.
2: That's Kerry Canning, partner of HR Advice Online, and Marita Ryan of Red Hot Go Enterprises on some of the HR issues facing modern workplaces. Welcome to Episode 16 of Business Essentials Podcast, brought to you with the support of Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors, Cummings Flavor McCormack. I'm Peter Letts. In this episode, a business is only as good as the people in it, and so good business owners understand the need to pay attention to their staff, and that means attributing the right job statuses, which, let's face it, can sometimes be complicated. But Kerry Canning of HR Advice Online helps smooth out any confusion about what we should or shouldn't be doing a little later. But first, no one enjoys confronting a staff member about a difficult issue, which could be small and quite personal, or of a major significance for the business. You worry that you're going to offend, or that the conversation will turn nasty, and you'll just make matters worse, or even end up with accusations of bullying. Yes, difficult conversations are difficult, but sometimes you just have to do them, and you can make things easier for yourself and make the whole process effective with planning. So says Marita Ryan of Red Hot Go Enterprises, who's often called in to help manage a difficult staff issue. So how would Marita describe a difficult conversation? She's talking to Heather Dawson.
1: Look, some people call them difficult conversations. Some people call them critical conversations. Some people say it's just an honest conversation. I'm just being honest. (laughs) And essentially, it's anything that you feel a bit uncomfortable about and you might have actually been avoiding or just hoping that miraculously it would go away and you kind of know that you should say something, but you haven't yet.
3: And the truth is that um, even though you might hope that the problem will go away, invariably it doesn't. No, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So why do we avoid these sorts of conversations?
1: We often put our own perceptions on things and we assume that people will be feeling as uncomfortable and awkward as we might. And some people might, but we can't assume that. We don't really want to hurt people's feelings or sometimes we avoid things because we don't want people to be crying and we don't know what to do with that. Or it's just, we might make it worse. So God forbid that we would make something worse. So we'll just keep it at this sort of manageable, awkward stage. And that'll be better than it turning into World War Three.
3: But what's the cost of waiting and putting it off and putting it off?
1: Well, the cost of waiting and putting it off means that the ripple effect goes through the business. What that then does is that it shows the rest of the team that really hard stuff's not going to get addressed. And in a recent Harvard Review blog that I was reading, on exit interview, extremely high proportion of people cite situations not being dealt with in the workplace as a main reason for them leaving. And when we think about the fact that conversations and addressing those sorts of things can make an enormous difference to people, it then helps to reduce the risk of people getting fed up and leaving because they can't see anything changing or anything being done about behaviour or whatever the circumstance might be. When the leader of a business sets the tone and steps up to the plate does what's needed it builds respect it builds trust and it builds a level of consistency that then people know where they stand they know that they can have that kind of open conversation but you're also encouraging your team to do it as well because you don't want a lot of he said she said kind of stuff going on you want to encourage people to act as adults to address their own issues to be able to have these conversations and when they see that you're doing it it encourages others to do the same thing.
3: Okay, so you're priming yourself to have a conversation with somebody who may be actually doing something that's contrary to the the whole business. What do you need to do before you actually call somebody in?
1: There's varying scales of how difficult or how tricky these conversations might be. So if it's about somebody's ongoing poor performance, that's a different story to perhaps withholding information in a meeting. You know, they're very different. They have different levels of priority, perhaps. But therefore, you need to be clear on what it is that you want. But you also need to prepare in the way that you start to get your script together of what do I want to say? What am I expecting to get out of it? What do I want them to do? But also acknowledging that your energy and your emotions are only part of it. The other person is going to have energy and emotions. So managing that. You also need to think about the timeliness of it and the appropriate location for it. Your office might be appropriate or it might be go out somewhere for a coffee and talk about something. So those factors all need to be taken into account.
3: Not stopping somebody in the corridor.
1: No, that would not be recommended.
3: Now, so let's get started. So how should the conversation go?
1: Well, again, it can depend on the breadth of the kind of conversation, but one of the ways that I encourage people to look at it, um, there are five parts to it, I suppose. So I'll just quickly tell you what those five parts are, and, and it's being very clear on what you want to say, how you have been personally impacted by that why it's important, what part you yourself, the person raising the issue, has played and what do you want from there. So, if you were putting that into an example, it would sound something like this and I'm just going to make up a scenario, Heather, if that's okay. So, it might be, Heather, I'd like to talk to you about that account presentation that you did last week and What I noticed was that the client wasn't happy with it and instead of you understanding what the client was on about, you got angry with them and got into an argument. And this behaviour really concerns me, so that's the bit about where you personally are impacted, why it's important. So we have a very high reputation with our client and this kind of behaviour cuts across how we do business, so it's not on. The part that you played, so step four, I should have come to you earlier to cover this off or to talk to you about this sooner and for that I'm sorry but we're talking about it now. And last step is, can you please help me to understand what's going on for you? You're really essentially inviting somebody into a conversation. That's really good to have that as part of your mindset. So you want to understand what's going on
3: for that person. Well, that example is, you know, important to the business, but it can be more of a personal issue, can't it? That's equally difficult to raise in a conversation with somebody, but nonetheless, it could be important. So could you give us an example of how that could work? Yes. And you
1: might start off by saying something like, Heather, I'd like to discuss something with you. Can we set up a time to have a chat about that? And that might be all you need to say. But in your preparation you might start off by saying something like, I've noticed. So I've noticed is a good way to sort of lead into situations. So it might be that I've noticed that there are circumstances or there are things that are different about you lately. Um, Generally speaking, in our workplace, we expect a level of professional attire and for us to engage with our clients in that kind of way. And that means, so that kind of linking bit is the, that, means, that means that we shower and wash our hair and we change our clothes and we come to work looking and feeling the best that we can. I've noticed that lately that's not been happening for you and I, can you help me to understand what that's really about and how can we support you in that? So it provides, again, you're inviting someone into a conversation to help to get their perspective. And there might be a whole lot of reasons that you're not even vaguely aware of that are going on for that person that are impacting on the way in which they are. So it opens up the opportunity for them to tell you
3: really what's going on. Now, uh, I know that you spend a lot of time going into businesses sorting out their difficult conversations (laughs) and all sorts of other HR issues, Marita, which goes to show that small business operators that do find these sorts of things difficult, they aren't alone.
1: No, not at all. It's a really common factor and oftentimes we're very, very good at doing the things that our business is around and sometimes the people-related bits and not necessarily where our skill set is. So wise leaders know where their areas of expertise are and where it's sometimes better to have an outside opinion or an outside view or outside assistance.
2: Marita Ryan, Red Hot Go Enterprises. These days, working nine to five isn't the only way to make a living. In fact, for a long time now, most companies offer a range of different work schedules, depending on the industry, the market, and the wants and needs of individual employees. The headache is determining which job status to attribute – full-time, part-time, casual, temporary – and what happens if you've attributed the wrong status, or if you or your employee asks to change an agreement. To answer these questions and more, we turn to Kerry Canning, partner of HR Advice Online. Kerry highlights some typical misunderstandings with Chris Ashmore.
0: One of the things we hear all the time is, oh, I don't need a contract, they're only casuals, which is actually incorrect. Casuals certainly need an employment contract or a letter of offer. And the key things that casuals need to have is the award coverage. So what award, if any, are our casuals covered by... There is a thing called casual loading, which is in lieu of annual leave and personal leave. So that's important that that's stated in the employment contract. And one of the other things that trips our business owners up is in relation to casuals, what determines a casual versus a permanent person? So we talk about ongoing, regular and systematic casual. So some awards actually state that if you've been a casual for more than six months, we need to offer you the opportunity to convert. And that conversion could be to permanent full-time or permanent part-time. So they're the key things around casual that employees need to be aware of.
4: Well, next we have the uh, the permanent part-time position. What's that?
0: So the difference between permanent part-time and casual is that permanent part-time employees are given a commitment of regular days and hours per week that they actually work. So it might be four or five hours a day every day of the week. And when they're employed, it's important that that is stated in their contract. So anything less than 38 hours per week on average is technically permanent part-time and they are entitled to pro rata annual leave and personal leave as part of their conditions of employment.
4: Well, then there's full-time. That sounds and should be quite straightforward. Is that right?
0: (laughs) So again, full-time, one of the key things is around hours of work. So at the moment under the Fair Work Act, it's the average of 38 hours per week is technically full-time. Some employers have 40 hours a week, so it's important that that's clarified as well. Because technically that means that two hours are actually overtime. So what happens with full-time is Fair Work have, it's called BOOT, Better Off Overall Test. So when you have a full-time employee and you pay them an annual salary, it's really important that you work out that that annual salary, they're no worse off than what they would have been under any award or statutory entitlements. So you can't just say, I'm going to pay someone $35,000 and hope it's okay, and they agree. It must be above the award minimum conditions.
4: Well, next is fixed term. That's for just getting a job done. Is that right?
0: It can be. Fixed term is generally there is a start and there is a finish date and typically it's less than 12 months. So it could be that we have a project that we want you to come in and do. So you'll start here and you will finish there. The key thing around a fixed term is in relation to termination. So what is the notice period required, which is typically a week's notice by either party. But important that that's in there. And then if it extends past 12 months, you need to revisit that termination clause.
4: And last on the list is maternity leave placement, similar to fixed term?
0: Mm, That's what most employers think. I'll recruit someone to come in whilst my employee is off on maternity leave. This must state that it is a maternity leave replacement and have those words in there because if the incumbent decides that they want to return earlier they have the right to do that. So the employee that's coming in needs to know that they are on a maternity leave contract and therefore they may not be there for the whole six months or 12 months or it could be extended. So important to have that clause in there as well.
4: You were talking earlier about converting say from um, casual to permanent part-time. If an employer has made a mistake in attributing the wrong job status, is it relatively easy to change? It can
0: be changed and you'll hear this word a lot in terms of human resources. It's all about consultation. So whether it's a casual converting to full-time, then it's a discussion and a conversation. If it's permanent part-time going to full-time, the same thing occurs. So important to meet with the employee. This is where you are now. This is where we would like you to go. Are you okay with that? Yes, no. And then the most important thing is to put that in writing when you've got agreement. So there's no confusion.
4: What if you can't get agreement? What if the employee says, no, I'm happy with the casual
0: So you can. So if the employee is happy to remain casual and you've gone through that process, then again, as long as it's in writing that the employee has said, thank you, I don't want to go permanent, and you have evidence of that, you may continue on a casual basis. But you must have the conversation and make the offer.
4: Well, for you, what have been some of the trickiest issues you've come across in regard to allocating job statuses?
0: There are two that always trip people up that we have lots of conversation. One is around casuals, and that is the conversion of long term. And the other one is when people have been ongoing casuals, they've had a conversation and they're happy to stay, but they might have been there eight or 10 years and the business goes through some changes. So then there can be some questions around the employee thinking that therefore they might be entitled to a redundancy or some form of entitlement. So again, casuals is one of the really tricky areas. And the other one, as I mentioned, is the maternity leave. So I think because I'm coming on board to replace somebody and I've got a 12-month contract that I have a 12-month contract. Often the other one is the replacement maternity leave person the employer wants to keep. How do I do that? So it's working around those issues for both the existing and the previous employee.
4: And if listeners are still in doubt, is there anywhere they can go for more information?
0: Absolutely. So we have some checklists around the differences between the types of employment status and what's required. More than happy to have a conversation at hradviceonline.com.au.
2: Kerry Canning, HR Advice Online. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast, proudly brought to you with the support of Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors, Cummings Flavor McCormack. We hope you've enjoyed episode 16. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening.
0: This Business Essentials podcast has been produced by B Media Production, building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication.